Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak Hatshalom. We're now in Masachet Pesachim, Daf Lama and Abu Bet. About to take a look at the first part of Mishnah Gimel. We'll do both parts of them, uh, of the Mishnah Gimel in the uh, second parak in this podcast. Nochri Shavad Yisrael Al Chemtso. So if a non-Jew lent money to a Jew and the Jew used chametz as collateral, Achar Pesach Mutarbanaat. So here's what happened is the Jew then uh, paid his debt after Pesach, got the chametz back, he can use it now. But the flip, because the Jew was holding the chametz during Pesach, and we'll see what the nature of his relationship to that collateral uh, was during that time. So we're not allowed to get benefit because it's chametz Pesach of a Jew. Itmar, we have what we call a backdoor sugya, discussion about something else in which our Mishnah will be invoked. Ba'ol chov, meaning a creditor. which means that when the creditor takes possession of the collateral, he, it demonstrates that he really had ownership of it from the moment of the loan. He says, no, he had no ownership until this point, and from the point he seizes it, and on. Now, let's see. If the borrower was maktish or sold the collateral while it was not in his possession, certainly the uh, the uh, lender can come and either seize it or uh, get it back from hektish. Right, or he could come and redeem it. None. He is to add a symbolic amount and redeem it from Hektish, because it's not was not the borrowers to be Maktish. Where do Rabbi and Rabbi disagree? If the lender who had rights over this collateral sold it before the borrower defaulted on the loan, or was Maktish before he was, before he defaulted? Abaye says it was really the lenders the whole time. Since the fellow didn't pay on time, therefore retroactively we see that it was always the lenders. It was for It was he was right to be Maktish, and it was within his rights to sell it. For Rava disagrees and says it's only his from this point on. Came into if the borrower had money, have Masik Lubazuzi, he would pay him off and get him off his collateral. So therefore he only takes possession at this point. That's the conceptual analysis of the Machloket. So the first question is, did Rava really hold this position that you only take possession at the moment of default? So Ruvain sold a field to Shimon with achrayut, achrayut meaning that if some some uh, creditor of Reuven would come and seize the field uh, from Shimon, Reuven would make good on it. It was kafan alav And then, instead of Shimon paying Reuven for the field, Shimon then took out a loan, meaning he, he it then turned it into a loan, the payment for the field. Umet Reuven. Now Reuven died. de Reuven. And Reuven had a creditor. And he comes and sees, seizes the field from Shimon. So according to the original agreement, Shimon could now come back to Reuven and say, give me my field. Give me the money for the field. And Shimon instead paid off the creditor with his own money and backed him off. So now Reuven's uh, heirs could come along. They could say, Our father left metaltalin with you. Not land. Because basically you took out a loan. 
And remember, metaltolin of an heir don't get taken by the balchov. He doesn't has no claim on them. He only has a claim on karka. That's what Rahama's halacha. The Amarava, Rava comes along and says, If Shimon's smart, here's what he'll do. He'll collect the land. And then he'll collect it back. If heirs collect land from the debt of their father, so here's what Shimon should do. He should allow um, the heirs of Reuben to come and get the land back instead of paying off the debt. And then let the Balchov collect it from them, and he won't lose. So that's all Rava's addition. If you agree that that the collateral really is yours from the get-go, that's why the Balchov can collect it from them. It's as if he collected it while their father was alive, while Reuven was alive. But if, as Rava seemed to say, that the Creditor only has a claim after the default. How can how can the Balchov come and collect the field from Ruvain's heirs? It's like they it's like the heirs sold it. If they bought property, let's because the heirs only got got possession of the property when Shimon gave it back to them, according to this sage advice of Rafa. And if heirs come into property after father dies, the Balchov there's no claim on that. So the answer is Shaniatan Maruki Echimishtabnalvuchon. The answer here is that uh that the that they'll say that just like the land that that sorry that Shimon says, I owed it to your father, I also owe it to the creditor of your father. And therefore I'm giving it back to you and he'll collect it from you. And therefore, Midi Rabbi Natan, that's from the famous Shibuda Dura Natan, the Tanu Natan Rabbi Natan, the Shabbat Chavro Manam, Chavro Chavro Shem, Tzivin Zevon Oni Mozet. If A owes B money and B owes C money, it's the same amount of money. C can come collect directly from A. Talmud Olam, Talmud Asher, Ashamlo, whichever one owes the money, <coughs> or the one is guilty to him, and because of the transitive property of collection, therefore it can go from Shimon to the heirs to Ruvain to the Balchov. Okay. So Rava could still hold Mikan Lahaba and uh, and still have this uh, sage advice for Shimon. Now, Tnan, let's test all this against our Mishnah. Nochrishavad Yisrael Khametso, if a if a goy lent money to Yisrael and Yisrael gave him collateral of Khametz, held it over Pesach, Mutabana, you're allowed to use it. If we agree that the um that the collateral is really owned by the lender when uh when the debt hasn't been paid. That's why you're allowed to get benefit from this chavez because it's owned by the goy. But if you say that he only takes possession at the moment of default, my why should you be able to use this chametz? It was in the Israel's property during Pesach. The loan was due after Pesach. This is where the Jew actually gave it to the non-Jew and put it in his property and said this is collateral. Alright, so now, maybe this machloket Rav really approximates an earlier machloket of Tanaim, which by the way is always a straw man, because there's no way that Rav and Rav are simply going to replicate an earlier machloket, they just say halacha ke'ex, halacha ke'y. But let's see how this goes. Yisrael shoval anochri al-chamitzol over. <laughs> so if Yisrael um, lent money to a non-Jew, and the non-Jew gave the Yisrael his chametz, 
So after Pesach, he's not over. And Ramir says he's over. My love, Bahakimi Palgi. Isn't this the Machlok at the Mars for the Mafreya Gover? says that it's, that it's Lamafreya. Which means that since the Chametz was in the property of the Israel, and if the non-Jew did default on the loan, the Israel would have seized it from the moment of the loan. Therefore, it's the Israels. Umar Sarah Tarakama says we come on the So the Tispa, think about it. I must say for the second half of that statement is If we have the flip case, which is that the Jew gave the non-Jew his Chametz, then after Pesach, everybody agrees that it is a violation that Chametz is a Sorbana against our Mishnah, by the way. But it should be the opposite, meaning Rameir and Tanakhama should simply flip, flip positions. They should simply flip positions uh, because if they hold consistently as to whose property it is, then we just now have flipped identities. What's the case? It's low. The case is where he actually gave him the chametz and put it in his house. And Paul gave it Rabbi Yitzchak, and they're disagreeing about how far to take Rabbi Yitzchak's famous ruling. How do we know that a creditor actually takes possession of the collateral that's in his property? Shinemar, what did the Torah command us that when you take a... Uh, a collateral, a pledge from a poor man, you have to return it to him. If it's a nighttime thing, you have to return it to him before nightfall. And the Torah says, That will be considered staka on your part for returning it to him. But if you don't have possession of it, if it's not yours, it's not called staka, it's called just giving it back to the owner. It's a very famous ruling of Rabbi Yitzchak. The question is, how far to take it? That's only if it's one Jew lending to another Jew. When there's a non-Jew in the deal, <coughs> so therefore, the Israel doesn't have possession of it, uh, have, uh, sorry, the, the non-Jew doesn't have possession of it, and therefore it's the Lassur. Rameyer Savar, um, sorry, the, the, if the, um, if the Israel took it from the Nachri, Lokani, he doesn't have possession of it, and therefore he's not over. Rameyer Savar Kalvachomer. Yisrael, Yisrael, Kani, Yisrael, Minochri, Lokoshken. If a Jew taken from another Jew is Kone the Mashkon, then certainly a Jew getting a, uh, getting a Mashkon from a Goy, certainly is Kone. So he certainly would be over. So therefore, in the Seifa it says that if the, um, if the Jew gave his Chamech to the Nochri, um, um, uh, and used chametz, and everybody agrees he violates it. Why? There, certainly, the goy does not take possession of the collateral, and therefore, it's the Israels the whole time. Okay. So, which means that Rameir and Tanakam are not disagreeing about Rabban Abaye. They're disagreeing simply about how far to take Rabbi Yitzchak's ruling of the Ba'ochov bin Konamashkon. So we said, fine, he actually gave it to him. But you just said that a goy does not take possession of the Jew's collateral. If the Jew gave it to him and said, listen, if I default on the loan, this is yours from now, which the Jew would want to do with chametz, then it's fine. If he doesn't say that, then indeed he only gets possession later. Who says that we make such a distinction between saying Me'achshav or not? Titania, we know that Nochri Shehrin Patpur Enu Yitzel Yisrael. If a goy gave 
as a pledge, some very, very big bread that was freshly baked to a Yisrael for, for, on Pesach. Ain't over. No violation. Marlo, he got but he says, here is payment, kilo, over. And, <coughs> so we say, maishta reish, maishta sefer. Why are they different? He got tichas like me'achshav, saying, now here's your payment. If he doesn't say that, then the assumption is, you're holding this as a pledge, and if I don't pay back, then you'll take possession. Shmamina, which is very much in the spirit of Rava's position of Mikanon Lahabat. Alright, Tanu Rabbanan is a bright Chanut Shil Yisrael, Malay Shil Yisrael. Let's say if a Jew owns a store and all the inventory is owned by the Jew, and Goyim are working in there. And Chametz Nimsa Shemachar Pesach Hasurbana. Any Chametz found there after Pesach is Hasurbana. Certainly you can't eat it. But flip it. It's a Goy store and he owns the inventory. And Jews work there all the time. The Chametz found there is even Mutar to be eaten and certainly because the assumption is it's from the owner, not from the workers. That's the gist. Okay, second half of Mishnah Gimel, very short. You have Chametz that was buried. It was in a building and the building caved in. That's gone. You don't have to do anything to it. He puts a specific parameter, which is if a dog can't dig after it. We'll see what that means. So Not only if it's buried, is it gone, but you also have to believe, which means you have to say, I'm vatel that chametz. Tana. So the brightest says, how far does a dog dig? If it's within three tvachim of the ground, he'll dig and get it. So if the if the the, the, the pile of rubble is three tvachim or higher, then you're good to go. So he asked the following question. Hadamer Shmuel. Shmuel made a statement about a Shomer. The only way to properly watch silver is to have it buried. Does that also need three tvachim? So Amarle's answer was, The case of the dog is because he'll smell the food. You need three tvachim so that he won't smell it and dig after it. Which means, by the way, he's interpreting Shem Gamliel not as the Kelev Yacholacha Pesach Rav, that he could dig, meaning that he could get through the rubble, but rather that he would be attracted to it at all, and he would know that there's bread there. But when it comes to the money, all we're worried about is that nobody should see it. You don't need three. One tafach is enough. Okay, we'll pause at this point. We'll pick it up with Mishnah Dalit in the next podcast. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.